Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Welcome back everybody. This is the second hour of Oilers Now. It's a game night. It's a big one. Our top story again, the Edmonton Oilers to take on the Vegas Golden Knights for top spot in the Pacific Division. Today's top story brought to you by Grey Rock Exteriors. So it is. The Edmonton Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights, the second hour of Oilers now brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Don't spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Your all-in-one convenient location is Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Uh, in this hour, We'll hook up with Jay Woodcroft, head coach of the Bakersfield Condors. Right now, though, we're going to go to our River Cree Resort and Casino hotline, and we are pleased to be joined by Al May from the Washington Capitals broadcast. Hello, Al. How you doing? Doing great. Good to have you, Bob. Yeah, well, thanks for doing the show. Uh, I know you're a busy guy, uh, and I- I'm just wondering how much has coronavirus uh affected kind of your world and affected things uh and you travel a fair amount between texas and washington and throughout the national hockey league how's that affecting you it hasn't at all really i was in new york city last i was in edmonton but i was in new york city uh took the train back from new york city to dc and it really hasn't affected other than when i turn the television on then it seems like it's the end of the world so I, i really don't know what to make of it right now but uh I know that you can't buy a lot of things at the grocery stores, the drug stores, and you know every time you turn the TV on, it seems like the world has stopped. But I, I don't see it stopping. Today I'm out in D.C. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these are interesting times for the National Hockey uh, League. I, I know that, and it's a small thing and not one that I'm really worried about that much uh, <laughs> for the purposes of what we do, but I can appreciate that maybe for others that it is, a, and again, I have the privilege of, of traveling with the team during the year, and the, the degrees of separation are, are different when you're in that role, but maybe for the day-to-day beat writers that fly commercially, uh, you know, that access time they have in the dressing room is a big deal. And the league, you know, the orders today um, uh, didn't, uh, you know, the dressing rooms are no longer open. So it's a slight change for the players. One, uh, assuredly, my guess is, Al, that the players aren't that disappointed. Did, by the way, did Washington, is Washington room still open or is it closed as well? It's clo- It's closed, right? As of now, it's closed, and I don't think it. Uh, the players are probably loving it because you, you look at all the other, you know, leagues around the world where you know you've got to leave the dressing room to for the press to have access with you. So, you know, it's going to upset a lot of the reporters, but it really doesn't change what they're doing. If they, you know, because the, the teams only put limited amount of players out yeah. every day for practice or a game, and then you know if they bring them out to the podium. There's just some separation, and you know the the environment that you're traveling and I travel in with the team. They're very controlled, 
And it's, you know, it's just a little bit different. But at the same time, I'm sure the players are welcoming the fact that they've got more time alone inside the actual dressing room where they really like to sit around and enjoy themselves. Al, I gotta, I gotta ask you this. We haven't had you on for a while, and I know Washington got a big one Saturday against Pittsburgh, and the Penguins are only two and eight in their last ten, but the Capitals have only won four of their last ten, uh, and Philadelphia's climbed into a dead heat tie here with the Capitals. What sort of what's happened here of late that's been a challenge for Washington? Really, the biggest thing that was going on with Washington is they haven't defined a style. What, what you know, when teams always say capital style or Oilers hockey, whatever it is, they haven't gone with a definitive style. And since December 23rd, they're a 500 hockey team, and they've had blowouts. They've blown out teams. They've been blown out themselves. So you look at what they've been doing defensively. When they have played Pittsburgh, they slowed the game down. They didn't let Pittsburgh run and gun. And they didn't try to run a gun with them. I don't think they respected the Flyers. So I think the biggest thing now is for the coaching staff and the players to get on the same page as to what the right style of hockey team is for this team to have success going forward and refine it going towards the playoffs and then play that brand of hockey. Subtle tweaks here and there according to who you're playing. But right now, uh, I'd like to see more games like the Pittsburgh battle that they had the other day. I'd like to see them stifle more teams and, and use their goal-scoring prowess in a more conservative manner than trying to go back and forth and opening up all types of holes on the ice because the Caps' defensive unit, really the six guys they have right now, it's not like they're the perfect six. And they've got to find a way to kind of protect that and make sure that it's a five-man defense, not just a two-man defense. Yeah, oh, it's, it's it's interesting. It, it, it just kind of... I don't know. I mean, I had Washington as an elite team, uh, and I did not have Philadelphia as an elite team. Am I missing something on the Flyers? Is is this another case of Elaine Vigneault doing a pretty good job? Elaine Vigneault is an amazing coach. I've always been a big fan. Mike Barry and Eric to, to, to do the defensive details, another head coach of Mike Hill. But I look at the defensive pairings this year, the way they've got the players. they got lefty-righty, lefty-righty, lefty-righty are the three pairs. And it's a big change in what they've had in the past. Last year, they only had one right-handed defenseman. Everyone was on their left. Teams would chase after, you know, force those D on their backhand. But I think right now, they're, they're all pretty solid skaters back there. You look at the Sandheim, Provorov, Hag. They're really good defensemen both ways. And then you add, you know, Justin Braun. He's on the third pair. Matt Niskan is fit in perfectly with Provorov. Philippe Meyer, their young 23-year-old right-handed defenseman, is very, very good. So I look at those guys, and that's, to me, what was lacking in the past. And now they've added some depth for the fourth line. So they're a more complete team. I thought they were just a two-line team before. Now with the trade they've made for Wagner and Thompson, they're a four-line team with three really good defensive pairs. And it's helping the goaltenders out a lot more than what it was in the past. Uh, we're joined right now by Alme Bob Stoffer with you in orders now. Yeah, those uh, pickups of Thompson and Grant were uh, big for for that hockey club. Uh, Pittsburgh, Al, just two wins in the last eight, and they were so good for so long. You know, overcoming the injuries to Sidney Crosby earlier in the year. Is this just a minor blip in the screen, or is there something going on there that's deeper? I. I don't believe they have the defense to compete for a long playoff run or sustain the way that they were playing. And the Caps made their D look really bad the other day when they were on the four check, uh, the way they clogged them up in the neutral zone. And when you look at the depth of the team, they've got, they got a lot of injuries up top, but Sidney Crosby's got new line mates every game. So 
you know, we know that he can play with anyone. He's that good. But it just seems with the injuries they have up front, they don't seem like they're that big. But Gensel's a really good player. Other than him, you look at the other guys that have been, you know, throwing in and out of the lineup. They really don't know what they have as a roster yet. But I just don't think they have the D for it. Uh, everyone knows where to shoot on Matt Murray. So unless Crosby and Malkin are scoring, you know, on every shot, uh, Hornquist, you know, getting in on the power play, they're not going to win a lot of games going forward. I, I really think they're they're in it tough right now with the style of play they want to play to the personnel that they have to be able to play that way. Yeah, well, and it's, it's so I'm looking at those top three teams: Washington and Philadelphia at 89 points, Pittsburgh at 84. Are any of those three as good as Boston or Tampa Bay, in your opinion? Well, Tampa Bay's, you know, they, they found a different style to play, and they're playing a lot grittier. And the Capitals can certainly play with them. Uh, Philadelphia can certainly play with them. I don't think Pitt, as they're built right now, can, can last against them. Uh, Boston Bruins, the Caps have had their numbers for the last four or five seasons. And it, it's just a matter of if the Caps play the way that they did against Pittsburgh the other day with a defense-first approach, they slow down Postrack, Bergeron, and Marchand, who are all drastic minus players against the Caps. So I still have faith that the Caps can, can go head-to-head against those two teams. It would be long series, but you've got to get out of the first two rounds to be able to get there to know. Yeah, uh, you, just switching focus to the Western Conference, because I know you watch the Oilers a lot. Al May joining us, longtime Washington Capitals player and broadcaster. Uh, late in Dave Tippett's career, Al was carving out a niche for himself as a pugilist in the National Hockey League. I believe uh, Dave was your line mate uh, for a bit. I think one year you had about 220 minutes. Um, number one in the league in the power play. Number two in the league in the penalty kill. And it camouflages the Oilers' problems five on five. But the Oilers with, you know, 13 games left in the season here, Al, they went five of those 13. They're making the playoffs right now. Like, I think 92 is going to get you in. I thought at the start of the year they'd finish with 93. Um, you know, we haven't talked for about a month here. Are you surprised that Edmonton's in this position competing for top spot in the Pacific Division? Do you think that would have been fathomable uh, in the offseason when the Oilers announced Dave Tippett as head coach? I'm not surprised at all because he's a details guy that doesn't ram his details down the player's throats. He communicates. He's so effective. And I've said from the start with him is that he knows this game inside and out. You should have a first power play when you have Dreisaitl and McDavid on your team. Just a matter of mixed matching all the other parts. Uh, there's so many different looks that they have. They can get the puck in the zone. They, they can wheel and deal. And when you have to worry about two players as so explosive, offensively as, as Dreisaitl with his shot playmaking and skating ability, McDavid with, with the skate, skating and playmaking ability. You know, you've got to you put teams back, so they should be able to do that on power play. I, no doubt in my mind with, with that team on the penalty kill that Dave would come in and make that uh, you know, one of the staples of what they're doing, regardless of who's on it. It's a systematic mindset, showing everyone what they need to do. And then when you look at, you know, I think Playfair, everywhere he's been as a defensive coach, uh, you know, running the defense. There's been improvements in the details and the structure of how the players play back there. He works very well with Tippett, so I'm not surprised that they are where they are. They, they've added to the depth of their roster. They're, they're a better skating team than they were in the past. They don't have too many six and seven defensemen all in the lineup at once. They don't have too many 12 and 13 forwards all in the lineup at the same time. And as it goes on, players are understanding how important it is to stick to the game system. Uh, you can still depend on the big guys. There's nothing wrong with depending on, 
you know, McDavid and Drysaddle, the Caps did it for years with with Ovechkin and Backstrom, you know, being the two guys they could always count on. And then all of a sudden you start to add line by line some dangerous threats. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is finally, you know, deserving and getting, you know, all the accolades that he deserves because he's been a pretty solid two-way player no matter what's gone on around him. They've had some tough coaching there, some bad coaching in other words. And Nugent Hopkins has found a way to contribute, turn himself into a very good two-way hockey player. You can play him on any line in any position, and, and the guy comes through for you. So I'm not surprised at all with the combination of, of Tippett and Playfair and that group of players that they are where they're at right now. Is Leon subtle for you? The, I mean, you watch a lot of the guys out east. Obviously, Pasternak's had an unreal year. Uh, McKinnon out west has had a great year. Is, is Settle a front runner for the hard trophy for you? I'd say 100%. You look at the goal-scoring ability. He, he's a threat with the shot. He's a threat to score, you know, on the attack. He, he can pull the puck off the boards and find a way to score goals. The amount of assists that he's had, uh, he can skate around anyone. And for a guy that everyone said couldn't skate when he was drafted, it, it's funny how he skates around every defenseman in the National Hockey League. He uses his strength. Uh, he's just a perfect combination of a power forward right now, a great touch, and he's thriving in Dave's system. So, I would definitely say he's the guy that deserves the most. And you've heard these attacks in the past that because the team wasn't in the playoffs that, that McDavid shouldn't get it. But those two guys, it's, it should be those two guys sitting on the podium competing competing against each other for the Hart Trophy. What about a guy like Panarin? You've seen him more than I've seen him out uh, with the Rangers this year. Well, he, I, I love the way he plays, but he, he can only affect the game. It's when the puck is on a stick. When I look at, you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid, the way they can get back with their speed on the back check and do things to, to, to take get takeaways. Panarin is an amazingly gifted offensive player. I love watching him play, but he's not in the category right now for her trophy for me. Awesome stuff. Hey, Al, guess what? We're in Washington a week today. That'll be the Oilers' uh, fifth game in a span of basically seven and a half days. Crazy, eh? Yeah, can't wait. I'll see you guys uh, maybe next Sunday night. Uh, definitely Monday. Look forward to that game. All right. Well, we got the afternoon encounter in Philly. We'll see you then. That is Alan May, who willed himself to the National Hockey League, pride of Barhead, Alberta, played for the uh, Canadian Athletic Club back in the day, fought his way all the way up from the Carolina Thunderbirds of the old Atlantic Coast League uh, into the Maine Mariners in 87-88, came to Oilers camp, uh, a cup of coffee in 88-89 in Edmonton, ended up playing a grand total of 393 NHL games, 1,348 penalty minutes. 119 in Edmonton, this is Oilers Now. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. He leads the NHL in scoring. That's Leon Dreisaitl. About 25 uh, people that have made the trek from Germany to watch uh, Leon play. I think they were in the house uh, Saturday night when Miko Koskinen was brilliant, made 45 saves. 123 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. You already know that cars cost less than Wetaskiwin. So make sure you go down and see Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford. Brent Ridge is a nine-time 
President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. They're blowing out their 2019 F-150s. We're talking up to 20% off select, uh, 20% off, 20K off select models. Get Brent Ridge in Watasco to call 1-877-477-3673 or visit brentridge.com. Al May just doing the show, and Al was our Oilers Now headliner for Touchback Safety. And their family helps you get back safely to yours. Trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. Momentarily, we'll get into the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors has been providing winning results for over 35 years. Guests on this show. Receive gift certificates to Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Edmonton South, Downtown, Northside, Sherwood Park, and now open in West Edmonton Mall. Two, the Oilers now injury report for James H. Brown injury lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, there was a vote for the best uh, safety in the Eskimos over the last 30 years. It's not even close. It's Trent. It's got to be Trent Brown. And the thing about Trent is he wouldn't tell you that, but I will. He was the best safety that the Eskimos have had here over the last 30 years. With the injury report, here's Brendan Escott. All right, Bob. Joe Kim Nygaard rehabbing a broken hand. Mike Green still shelved for the Oilers with a sprained MCL. Vegas has missed Alex Tuck since mid-February. Is he at the IR with a leg injury? Mark Stone has been out a while now. He's got a lower body ailment as well, listed as week-to-week. Sharks forward Logan Couture is not expected to miss any time, despite leaving after taking a puck to the head over the weekend. Lightning defenseman Victor Hedman did leave their game on Friday. He's got an undisclosed injury considered day-to-day. So is rear guard in St. Louis. Justin Falk, he's got an upper body injury. Stars forward Alex Radulov sick as and as mentioned rather, Adam Boakvist in concussion protocol thanks to a bit of a flailing elbow there from Oscar Sundqvist. Alright, while we have a minute here, and I know we already talked about the Edmonton Oil Kings in the uh, first hour of the show. The Oil Kings, by the way, basically got a home-and-home home with Lethbridge coming up this weekend and then a home-and-home home with Red Deer the next Next weekend, they've already clinched top spot in the Eastern Conference standings. Uh, so they'll have home ice advantage throughout the WHL East playoffs. Uh, what is going on with the Short Park Crusaders? Uh, are they still ranked number one in all of Junior A hockey in Canada? And how are the playoffs taking place in the AJHL? Yeah, so they uh, <laughs> the Saints lead the series that's going to give them their next opponent in all likelihood. Actually, neither of these two series to give the Crusaders their first opponent have come to an end. So you've got White Court leading uh, Fort McMurray 3-2 and you've got uh, tonight being game six in that one. Tomorrow night will be game six between the uh, um, Spruce Grove Saints and Grand Prairie Storm as well. So the lower of the two seeds here, Bob, is going to go on to play in uh, Sherwood Park on this weekend and that start date yet to be determined because we don't know uh, whether that's a Friday or a Saturday puck drop. All right, Michael Benning Carter Savoy, uh, they are both headed to Denver, is that right? Yeah, Carter Savoy after this season, betting after next season. And both are eligible for the 2020 NHL draft, and my guess is they'll be second slash third round picks. Did Savoy end up scoring 50 this year? Yeah, 50 in 50 games. He finished with 52 in the regular season. Yeah, I had an old friend who uh, sniped 50 in the Alberta Junior Hockey League back in the day, Dan Baker from Pub 1905. It was, uh, uh, I think it was the season... Uh, uh, before he was a teammate of Al, actually, I don't know. I think he actually maybe got 
let go by New West in the WHL because of Almay. That's when every team had about six or seven uh, tough guys back in the day. 127 in Edmonton. Again, you can text us at any time on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, uh, you mentioned NCAA players. What about the role the Flames had when they got Joel Otto, Jamie McCown, Gino Cavallini back uh, in the 1980s? I think the Flames were trendsetters with Badger Bob Johnson and uh, the Flames' subsequent uh, college recruitment. Well, the other thing that happened is Detroit went out and spent a bunch of money. It predated Ken Holland a bit, so the days of Jimmy Devolano. And they signed guys like, uh, was it Stasiak and Mathiason, uh, Adam Oates. Adam Oates turned out to be a heck of a player. But I was thinking more in the last five years, named some impactful guys. You know, DeKaiser was an undrafted guy. Somebody mentioned Tory Krug. Great example. He's a very good defensive. By the way, an unrestricted free agent with Boston, a guy that can really run a power play, and he plays bigger than his sides. Uh, someone mentioned Connor Sherry. There's another undrafted guy. I was specifically looking for players that were not drafted. Uh, the Oilers have, have lost some as a result of how the rules work in the CBA for college players and gained some. They obviously gained Justin Schultz um, and Matt Benning. And in the process, also lost a guy like John Marino and Riley Nash in the past. So they had to trade those players' rights to to get some picks back in return. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, the head coach of the Bakersfield Condors uh, got a split this weekend. They're playing hard. They're obviously down a few bodies. Um, they might be getting some help back here with William Laguson returning to the minors. Jay Woodcroft coming up when we return in Oilers now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.